Hi, Dr. Sam Waldron here. The fields are white for harvest, but the laborers are few. Most men who need a seminary education can afford it the least, and no seminary is fully supported by student tuition and fees. We rely on the generosity of our supporters and friends. Would you give today and help us to make informed scholarship with pastoral heart affordable for the next generation of gospel ministers? Visit cbtseminary.org give to learn how you can help. You are listening to Particular Pilgrims, stories from Reformed Baptist history with commentary. I'm your host, Ron Miller, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church of Clarksville, Tennessee, and a longtime student and collector of Particular Baptist history. We're on the Man of God Network brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. When the Particular Baptist leaders of the 17th century passed to their reward, who took up their place? In the case of Benjamin Keach, two of his sons-in-law contributed to the Baptist cause in related but different ways. You may recall that Keach had a son, Elias, who became a Baptist minister, but he died five years before his father in 1699 at the early age of 34. The first of these two sons-in-law was named Benjamin Stinton, S-T-I-N-T-O-N. It is possible that his parents named him after their pastor. His older brother Thomas had married one of Benjamin Keach's daughters, Elizabeth, in the year 1690. Nine years later, Benjamin Stinton married Susanna, one of Keach's younger daughters, who was named after his second wife. So the year 1699 for Keach contained both grief and gladness. As his son Elias died, and daughter Susanna was married. The Stinton family appears to have been longtime members, and these two sons of theirs became prominent in the church. On August 10, 1697, Keach published a confession of faith for the congregation at Horsleydown in Southwark. Fifty men subscribed their names to testify that the church believed these truths. The first name was Benjamin Keach, followed by the word pastor, which of course was his office. The second name was Benjamin Stinton, followed by the designation teacher. He was apparently what we would call a gifted brother, recognized by the church as having skill to preach. The next six signatories were the deacons, and one of them was Thomas Stinton, the older brother. Benjamin and Susanna Stinton had seven children. Three of them died very young, but three boys and a girl survived to older years. One son, born about four in the morning on September 18, 1704, was named Benjamin. His grandfather, Benjamin Keach, had died just two months earlier, and perhaps this new son was named at least in part in his remembrance. On Keach's deathbed, he urged Stinton to accept the church's call to be their pastor. But Stinton was slow to accept this weighty office. Later in the year, though, he did so, becoming the pastor of the Baptist Church in Southwark. 
This was in 1704, and he served until his early death in 1719. He lived in the immediate area of the church with his wife and family and most of the members. He did not have a formal education, but his gifts were said to be very perspicuous, that is, noticeable. So at the beginning of his ministry, he studied under a local educator and learned the biblical languages and other useful material. Seeing the dissenter's need for educational opportunities, and no doubt buttressed by Keech's earlier stress on education, Stinton worked with independent and Baptist ministers to found a primary school for the children of dissenters. Initially, this trained 40 boys, aged 7 and up, for free. They were taught the catechism, reading, writing, arithmetic, and singing the psalms. The school also tried to help place the boys in apprenticeships in order to give them a way to support themselves. It is clear that Stinton had a broader vision for church cooperation than his father-in-law. Keach had worked vigorously to convert General Baptists into particulars. He was so aggressive in this work, which he had, of course, undergone himself, that his fellow particular Baptist pastors asked him to stop for the sake of peace. Stinton desired to work across doctrinal lines. For example, in the particular Baptist fund, which was a charity for poor ministers, he wanted to monetarily support general Baptist pastors also, but his fellow Calvinistic pastors outvoted him. This fund continued successfully for many years, supporting dozens of needy men. It also helped establish an academy for training pastors that is today Regents Park College, located at the University of Oxford. The fund is still in existence 300 years later, with an endowment of over five million pounds. Stinton also led in raising money for the construction or repair of shared church baptistries. Other anecdotes of the man point to his concern for the poor and a strong commitment to charity work. Stinton's greatest contribution to the Baptist cause, though, may be his collecting of historical materials on the early days of the particular Baptists. His hope was to write a history of these events, but he was unable to do so as he died in his early 40s. His collection was passed to his brother-in-law, Thomas Crosby, whom we will discuss in a moment. These documents still exist and contain some of the most important sources for the study of 17th century Baptists. They are stored in the Angus Library at Oxford. There are 30 documents in this group, and Stinton had begun to make this collection in the years 1710 to 1711. Notably included are some of the records of the Jacob Lathrop Jesse Church, out of which came several independent and Baptistic churches. Also, there is what is usually called the Kiffin Manuscript, describing the development of some early Baptist churches. It may or may not have been produced by William Kiffin, but it contains important data found nowhere else. There is a copy of the 1644 Confession of Faith and the account of the 12 General Baptists arrested in 1644 in Aylesbury and sentenced to death for their faith. This story is also included. 
Of the most personal interest is Stinton's copy of, quote, The Trial of Mr. Benjamin Keach, Who Was Prosecuted for Writing Against Infant Baptism, from the year 1664. This is the only information we have of the young Keach's famous production of a child's catechism and subsequent arrest and punishment. An unnamed man had been present at both the court proceedings and the pillory punishments, and he produced a first-hand account of what went on. He sent a copy of this to Keach, and it was found in his papers by Stinton after his father-in-law's death. Stinton also notes that Keach had told him about this event while still alive. So this can be taken as an accurate representation of the events that we would otherwise not know of. Benjamin Keach's other son-in-law who contributed to Baptist life is Thomas Crosby. He married Keach's youngest daughter, Rebecca. He was a school teacher for 40 years and later a deacon in the church, and he received Stinton's historical materials after his death. He gave them to Daniel Neal, an independent minister in London who was writing a history of dissent from the Reformation to 1689. However, Neal made almost no use of these materials. He essentially ignored the Baptists. This so frustrated Crosby that he decided to write his own history. So beginning in 1738, he produced four large volumes entitled The History of the Baptists from the Reformation to the Reign of George I. Most of his material came from Stinton or others who sent him information as the volumes were published. Crosby's work is valuable because he collected biographical information and stories that would have otherwise been lost. But it does have some serious defects. For example, he, along with Stinton, did not consider the differences between the general and particular Baptists to be important enough to keep them apart. So he wrote his history without distinguishing between them. This is rather puzzling, giving Keach's strong practices to the contrary. And of course, historically, they were derived from the dissenters in very different ways and under different circumstances. There are also a fair number of historical errors. And as B.R. White has said, his work is, quote, neither systematic nor analytical. But it was the Baptists' first denominational history and included a defense of both their differentiating practices and shared Reformed Protestantism. Without Stinton and Crosby's efforts, modern-day Baptists would know very little about the formation of our earliest particular churches. Well, thank you for listening today. This is Ron the Baptist wishing you grace and peace.